Hello, it's David here. If you're new to The Leader Podcast, thanks for joining in. We bring news analysis, interviews and commentary every day at 4pm from the newsroom of The Evening Standard. Hit your subscribe button on your podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Is this the end of the party? The change in the numbers, making a legal threshold of, for example, six, then the police would have the power to go in, break up the party and crack down on those who organised it. Political editor Joe Murphy, as the government discusses a crackdown on social gatherings to tackle a surge in coronavirus cases. And, well, it's about time. Back to the Future, the musical is soaring into London. Is this the shot in the arm that theatre needs? We speak to producer Colin Ingram. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the government says, no more parties. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. No one wants to be the party pooper. But with coronavirus cases rising in England, the government may have little choice. The Evening Standard reports the Cabinet's discussing new social gathering measures that will see the number of people allowed to meet cut from 30 to possibly as few as six. Police would be given powers to break up the celebrations and there are fines of up to £100 being planned. It's all expected to be announced within days. Our editorial column says decisive action that's well communicated is needed. We report today that a legal ban on gatherings of more than six people is being discussed by the Cabinet. But formally, in public, we hear little about what might happen next, or what is being done to prepare for it. Of course, no official or minister can be certain about what's next, but a nation on the brink of an anxious autumn deserves an explanation of the possibilities and how we would respond. 
people and businesses deserve a lot better than rumours and threats of drastic action if things get worse. If the PM doesn't know the answers, let's at least hear that from him. Fear and uncertainty are the biggest threats to the confidence we need to find. Our political editor Joe Murphy is here. Joe, why is the government looking at this? They are looking at data that's come from the Joint Biosecurity Centre and it's not good. It's showing the 3,000 cases a day virtually. Um, but they're also looking at the data that went through France and Spain. France and Spain had a big rise in cases, mainly among young people. And what's happened there is a few weeks later, you've seen an increase in hospitalisation. So what you're getting is young people perhaps being a little bit blasé about the rules, passing it to more vulnerable and older people who are then becoming seriously ill. Now, Boris Johnson at Cabinet this morning spelled it out to the Cabinet saying, we must not allow complacency, including among young people. And so the upshot is, is that there's a chance that the Prime Minister will hold one of those number 10 press conferences tomorrow. It'll be the first one since the um, before the summer recess. And if he does, my guess is that he'll be announcing formally that it will be against the law to have a party of somewhere between six and 30 people. Against the law, but how will that be enforced? Well, the, the significance of changing the law is that it'll suddenly become a police matter if you've got, say, a dozen people having a gathering in your house. Now, at the moment, there's a curious situation because the guidance on social distancing is different to what the law says. So, for example, um, the guidance is that you can have up to six people from different households in your garden, but not indoors. You can have two households in your house, um, but they can't be too big. But what the law says is the police can intervene if you've got over 30 people in your garden um, or in your house, and they will then be able to put fines of up to £100 which then go up remorselessly if you don't pay. That would be levelled against organisers of parties, maybe against people who were there who, if they refused to go. Um, so the change in the numbers, making a legal threshold of, for example, six, is, is being discussed today, but it may not, that may not be the final number. A decision has been taken. But once you say it's six, for example, then the police would have the power to go in, break up the party, and crack down on those who organised it. So this is clearly being aimed at younger people. Is there an urgency because things like colleges and universities are going back? And traditionally, there's a lot of parties at that time, isn't there, Joe? Freshers' Week is coming up, and it won't be like Freshers' Week in the past. It's going to be, a lot of it's going to be gatherings at student houses and halls of residence. Um, and of course, the students going back will be a million people moving around. It's going to be one of the biggest regional movements of people um, since lockdown itself. Uh, so people, young people, are without doubt breaching social distance more than older people. It was reported that the government reckons it's people who are better off, young people who are better off, who are probably the worst offenders. And that's is a matter of urgency because this is going to come to a head in these weeks coming up. Next. We've got all the 
writers from the film, but the cast have been really supportive. Yeah, Chris Lloyd, and we hope many of the other uh, film cast will, will come on board as well. They're all they're all aware of it. Colin Ingram, the producer of the Back to the Future musical, as it prepares to come to London. If you called for a doctor during this pandemic, this might not be the one you were expecting, but maybe it's the one you need. I'm Dr. Emmett L. Brown. I'm a scientist. You're late. No, I was just going to... Great Scott! You're... You're... Let's keep it all little secret. Well, the secret's out now. You may have recognised original Back to the Future actor Christopher Lloyd's voice in that trailer for the new musical there. If you pop online to watch it, you'll see he's hiding behind a copy of the Evening Standard. Of course. The show was cancelled during its run in Manchester because of the pandemic. Now the DeLorean, though, is ready to roar at 88 miles per hour again, this time in London. It'll open at the Adelphi Theatre in the Strand on May 14th, and the man behind it is producer Colin Ingram, who joins me now. Colin, I feel like London really needs a big show like this to bring the crowds back, and it's almost like Marty and the Dock are returning to save the day just in time, isn't it? It is, it is. I think uh, it's the kind of show that um, absolutely delivers escapism, nostalgia, and, you know, people want to just... They just want to escape away from all this. And, you know, yeah, I think, I think it is going to work so well. And it's, and it's also just something that all ages will enjoy. You know, men obviously love that movie, but it's a musical. So women are going to love it too. And I think parents want them to see, you know, to experience the show through, you know, their kids through, you know, with them seeing it as well. So I think, yeah, it's perfect from that point of view. Do you know, just before we were doing this interview, I was looking up, that great Alan Silvestri main theme, you know, the da 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 And I was just thinking, when something like that comes up and the lights are down and you've had this audience starved of this kind of entertainment for such a long time, I bet they roar, Colin. I bet they can't control themselves. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, well, you, you might know that we, we tried out the show in Manchester and when that music plays, we have it in the overture, um, yeah, everyone just goes crazy. And, and what Alan, Alan's been very involved in the show. All the Back to the Future writers have been involved, Bob Gale, Bob Zemeckis, Alan Silvestri. And what Alan has done, which is incredible, is he's made it sound like we've got an 80-piece orchestra. And it sounds like the film. We've got amazing songs. Glenn Ballard with, and Alan have written 14 incredible songs. And we've got the songs from the movie as well. We've got Power of Love and Back in Time and Johnny Be Good. But what we've also done is we've got this incredible underscore that goes underneath all the dialogue. And it adds so much to it. And, and Alan, it was interesting because during the rehearsal period, he would film parts of the rehearsals and then he would go away and score um, under all this. A bit like how a film composer works. So, I mean, it's incredibly complicated. <laughs> it's just constantly from beginning to end, it's, it's just constant music. And it adds so much, you know. We, know it, we know it adds a lot in films, but it really adds a lot in a theatre show as well because it's, it's, it's incredible. And uh, someone else helping you out was uh, Christopher Lloyd turning up in the trailer. Now, if you want to get good coverage in the Evening Standard column, make sure Christopher Lloyd 
is holding a copy of the newspaper. But it's nice to have that little touch, to have that little kind of approval, really, isn't it, from the movie itself? Yeah, it is. I mean, as I said, we've got all the writers from the film, but the cast have been really supportive. And um, we've had, uh, yeah, Chris Lloyd, and we hope many of the other uh, film cast will, will come on board as well. They're all, they're all aware of it. Bob Gill's fantastic at just keeping the family together. It's been 30 years, but they've, they've managed to keep this kind of family together, and it's, it's really wonderful. It must have been. You mentioned that it started in Manchester, and then you had to cut it short for this pandemic. That must have been gutting for you, a hit show having to stop. Yeah, it was, and it was gutting for everybody on so many levels. Um, but we got to get the theatre owners up to Manchester and, you know, fortunately out of it, uh, you know, on the opening night actually in Manchester, which was literally four days before the pandemic, um, we got offered the Adelphi and, you know, in fact, it was Madeleine Lloyd Webber, um, Andrew's wife came up to see it and she was just so blown away by it. Um, but yes, it was devastating for everybody to have worked so hard and really just, you know, that's the, fun bit is performing and putting in front of the audience and you know you do all the hard work and rehearsals but you do it because you want to perform to people every night so that that's been hard but I'm delighted all the principals have come back that all the band are coming back which is fantastic and so a lot of the things we learned about the show it's very technical the show there's incredible illusions uh what we do is really using the technology of today so we're in a really good place to bring it to the West End. And the, the last question, but I think people are going to want to know this, is is it going to be safe if you've taken measures to include social distancing? We won't open uh, without, uh, without 100% capacity. Um, and we're confident that by May that will happen. Uh, however, we're working hard with LW Theatres to ensure that the, uh, you know, the safety of the customers and, of course, the company backstage, which is a challenge as well, is absolutely at the first. But one thing I'd like to say is that uh, people can book with confidence because ticket buyers have flexibility. We will be able to exchange tickets up to 24 hours before the performance. So that means if people are having to self-isolate or they're having to, or they, you know, they're not feeling well, there'll be that flexibility to move, to move people. And I think that's really important for us. And just to say, you know, it, we, we're, we'll all be coming back next year and we need everybody to support the West End and, of course, all the regional theatres around the country as well because this has been a really tough time for this industry. And uh, as you say, what better, to, what better show to come, and come out of uh, all this by Back to the Future? It's, it's just a delight and it's very funny. It's very, very funny. I think it's... Um, Bob Gale won't, won't uh, tell me off for this, but I think it's funnier than the film. You know, I think when you see everything, you see everything up front and Roger Bart, who's playing Doc Brown, is an absolute genius. Um, Hugh Coles, who's playing George McFly, incredible. And of course, because the special effects are all live and they're in front of you, it has such an impact as well. And it's very, very warm show. You know, it's about a family and how they, how they change through Marty's journey. And how, you know, effectively, if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. And yeah, it's, it's, it's great fun. It's just great fun. 
and you can see the trailer to Back to the Future the Musical online at standard.co.uk where you can also keep up with all the latest developments with our live blog. And we have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.